Hey, though. What up, Cones? Not much. We're here for the Cones and Dough Show. Yeah, this is the Cones and Dough Show. Named for the aforementioned Cones and Dough. And um, just to explain quickly why we're doing a podcast, I think, you know, it's a world of a lot of media, a fast-paced world and everything. Uh, there's a certain intimacy to the spoken word in your ear. And all the shit on radio, it's either commercial or ideological, and it insults people to tell intelligence. So, Preach. Preach, exactly. That's what we're trying to do. And we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about anything on here. We don't have any particular agenda. Yeah, we've got current affairs, video games, technology. Deep history. Artificial intelligence. Yep. Um, uh, terrorism. Dreams, consciousness. Whatever comes up, really. Just train the thought styles. Yeah. Um, Michael Hollebeck, the author, once said that when he was reading Nietzsche, the philosopher, uh, Nietzsche used to write a lot of stuff about like just what he had for breakfast and stuff and he'd write it in a dramatic style and Holbeck said it's so presumptuous to think that people would find that interesting and yet the worst part is that it actually is interesting <laughs> and I like to think that's sort of what we're doing here and also it's because after the incident at McDonald's the, the uh, court basically said I had to do this to avoid the chemical castration so <laughs> well yeah man let's start the show yeah dope Not too bad, how are you? Yeah, good man. Had a good week? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just struggling along as per normal. Yeah. How about you? You been working? Yeah, working hard, mate. Working hard. Working hard? Um, working out. <laughs> <laughs> Just working it good? Um, staying slim. Staying slim. Yeah, because, well, he's trying. Doe is, well, he used to be morbidly obese. <laughs> um, so he's looking pretty good. He's down for a few hundred pounds. and uh, Used to be a bit chubbier. I don't know about morbidly obese, but... Well, if you say so, buddy, but... <laughs> But, uh, I had a bit of a fat ahead, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But um, I suppose I can, you know, I've known Doe for a long time. He's a good friend and a colleague. Um, and he, he's the yin to my yang. That's why we're doing this podcast. I think, you know, you can get a certain <laughs> dynamic tension between two differing mindsets that can kind of aid and abet each other. <laughs> I've also heard it's like uh, two stoners having a conversation, apparently. So hopefully either half of that can keep you entertained. Uh, I wouldn't call you a stoner. <laughs> I'd That's say, pretty cool. I'd say it's more like a union. like a, a That was just a, a really one-sentence review I heard about pre-show. <laughs> Who said that? I didn't hear these. Oh, my brother. <laughs> or maybe maybe that's how he uh, described the show to someone he gave it to, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good description. Um, so we, we've been friends for a long time. We've done a lot of stuff together. Um, Known each other since the schoolyard. Since the schoolyard, the prison yard. <laughs> Uh, we both like music. Yeah, I'm into music. I got the uh, actually had a qualification at one point a few years ago. I had my audio engineering certificate for. So yeah, I probably need to update that shit if I want to use it. But what would you use it for? Um, selling beats to Kanye or something. Yeah, actually, in the music industry anyway, it's probably once you get in there, it's all good anyway. You probably don't need it, but it really helped me with um music production, like on computers and 
recording and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we both grew up with music. I'd, I'd play a bit of guitar. We both listened to skate punk and stuff growing up. Yeah, um, a bit of hip-hop. Yeah, a bit of hip-hop and stuff. Um, before that, I suppose, I, I was a bit curious about this while we're on the topic of music. Um, m- my dad is a classic baby boomer or whatever, you know? Yep. Born, born in 1949, so grew up in the 60s. And that shit from then, the Rolling Stones, the Who, and everyone like that, Pink Floyd, they're all still his favourite bands, and he listens to them and loves them. So I grew up sort of exposed to that, and at the time I'm like, oh, you know, it's a bit, it's like fuddy-duddy old shit kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Um, But I was thinking about it recently, and, you know, I I can see why it sort of sticks in his brain, because before that, when you just had, like, Glenn Miller big band swing stuff and the Chattanooga Choo Choo and all that sort of shit then something like The Who or whatever would be pretty mind-boggling if you're in the 60s. Yeah, fuck yeah. It was pretty, um... It's pretty cool, progressive sort of rock. Yeah, and it's... Like, it does change enough to keep you interested and all that. It's not it's not just pop, you know? Like, sort of the early Beatles is just sort of straight pop music. No, totally. But but even that at the time, I think I think it's hard for us to sort of comprehend because... Yeah, because of the diversity of, of the entertainment. We grew up... Like, I heard someone say that, well, either... Mm, the difference between either Nirvana or Oasis, like the fir- the last sort of big band, the last thing that would sort of dominate pop culture, and I think that has something to do with that being before, just before the rise of the internet and everything like this, because you're never going to have that same monolithic sort of public opinion about music and exposure to music that you did back then. Yeah, and secluded opinions and stuff. Yeah. Like, now everyone's like, listen, oh, I listen to, like, psych tech. Like psych Seattle, tech. you just sound like that grungy shit. And yeah. And then you go to, what's the place where they do with the country over there? Oh, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville, and then everything's got that kind of sound. And yeah. Uh, Whereas these days you have a, I don't know, it's weird, you have, like, a, a sort of mainstream, which is, like, I guess, Taylor Swift and, like, whatever, Lil Wayne and shit, I'm not but, really... But, yeah, like, I get what you're saying, the sort of, um, the internet and that's just breached all those boundaries and then you get the Taylor Swift song that sort of sounds country and it's got these rappy lines in it. And yeah. <laughs> what was that one that, when we were, uh, you and I were in America for a while and it was on the radio all the time it was more of like it was more of a dubstepy hip-hop song than a country song and it was a taylor swift song oh yeah, yeah. Well, the one that i was doing scrubber too yeah yeah scrubber <laughs> scrubber so you still have those sort of monolithic oh, trouble yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trouble a bit of edm and stuff but you know and then recently with like shake it off it's sort of like oh it's got this sort of like urban attitude and stuff like <laughs> that um but yeah to, to bring it back to that i think it, it it's I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I grew up at the tail end of that and I exposed, was exposed to, like, I got shit from Triple J. This was before the internet. Um, I got a bit of shit from my dad and a bit of stuff from friends, you know. You'd go down to the HMV with your friends and there'd be the latest record and you'd ask, can I listen to this on the headphones? And it's weird. It's just amazing how in the space of a decade or two it's sort of changed so much. Yeah, it exponentially has increased the speed in that people adapt their music and shit now as well. It's like back then... I know I don't want to shit on all these old bands and stuff. You know how it comes out like that the Stones or Zeppelin or whatever are borrowing riffs or whatever that they yeah. and they're borrowing riffs that they may have heard from people that are talented but don't have that level to breach the mainstream and then they take that and they make it into this cool thing. So it is sort of it still happens now and it just happens really quickly. You see a cool song on the internet that's a completely different style, and then you want to put that in your video, you want to put it in your song, and, yeah, it's it's crazy how fast the internet's made all of that sort of 
the change and all that can happen so quickly. Well, my understanding of that is that um, you had like you know blues and stuff in America. It's very much a southern thing, and even in the fifties when you had like Buddy Holly and stuff, which was you know sort of taking its cues like with rock and roll, so to speak, from that because of the racial politics and you know conservative climate um elvis okay is a classic example you know it's definitely influenced by that sort of yeah. african-american but he became the big thing of it um in the same way that, that blues uh in like post-war england where my dad grew up which was you know pretty gray pretty dreary and stuff they'd listen to like bb king and muddy waters records and then go out and you know try and do something similar or do something inspired by it and that's what the rolling stones and the who and uh, what is it, the Yardbirds and Clapton and all that stuff got really big. Like, Jimi Hendrix got there big too. And then the Americans, because it was, like, white people instead of black people doing it, got it back over from England to America, the British explosion, and they got super popular over there and everything. And uh, it's sad to see that nothing changed because, um, as far as I can tell, there's pretty much no African-Americans on the, the charts these days. Oh, I don't know. In, in America's own national charts and stuff, it's wild, like, if... If you count hip hop charts, you know it's probably mainly African Americans. <laughs> that was my point. <laughs> White oh, I got trolled hard. You got trolled. Fuck. White man can't get a job in a recording studio for anything these days. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's about music, um, and yeah, that that little uh, sort of deconstruction of it and the little subcultures. It was. It, it's weird because I, I've got a friend who's. A very good friend, uh, Dash. You might know him. Um, I know Dash. And yeah. yeah, Dash. And you know, he grew up in similar circumstances to me, the same age and everything like that. Um, and he was massively into like dance music, rave music, and everything like that. And you know, you get exposed to different types of music at different point of your life. Like when I was twelve, I had friends, and we'd get into skate punk, and then metal later with you and some other people. And yeah. he helped me like get into that and sort of navigate it and understand it. But he can't it's not just that he doesn't like some of the guitar based music that I do he can't actually tolerate it at all <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious about what, what is it in the brain or development or whatever that would determine what sort of music you like yeah I'm not sure I used to be I used to be a lot more intolerant with musical styles and stuff yeah. I, I think I used to tie it subconsciously a lot more to identity and all that yeah that's you know, pussy shit like oh I'm listening to this stuff and it's cool and that shit sucks but I've grown out of that over the years I studied music and did a lot of stuff that forced me to listen to sort of orchestral music or these yep. other things and then through that and thinking it was annoying at the time now I can kind of listen to some of that and appreciate it so it's sort of I'm continually opening up I'll still shit on some shit for fun <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that was quite eloquent yeah, very eloquent you know, but I'll still put some music down when I'm in that kind of mood but I'm learning to um to accept stuff that I like that's not necessarily in the genre that I would have chosen when I was like a teenager well I think you made a point there I mean when you're a teenager it's all like sort of wrapped up in sort of an image or an identity and something and this isn't you know every, everyone goes through that it's like you know I used to skate so we listen to fucking fat record stuff and Dave used to go to raves so sorry Dash used to go to raves so he'd listen to that sort of stuff um yeah, I used to get a lot of hand-me-down from my older brother as well. He's like three years older than me, so yeah, it was kind of um, old enough for me to just be like, ah, oh, that's cool, and just sort of um, enjoy all of all of the stuff getting handed down. Well, I got to pick out a lot of stuff that I thought was already good. So yeah, it's weird. Like my dad almost took more music from me than I did. Like yeah, after I stopped listening to Nirvana as much, he wears my Nirvana Buddy Man Muddy Banks of the Wishka T-shirt everywhere. <laughs> like a cool baby boomer dad or whatever kind of thing, but. <laughs> Um, well, he had Dido on the other day though when I was around there. It was fucking weird. I can't, I can't put my finger on that. 
I don't mind it in Stan, the Eminem remix, but... Yeah, exactly. Apart from that, I'm not sure I'd listen to Dido. No, I wouldn't. Sorry, Dido. Sorry, Dido. It's too much like Enya. What like, I'd listen to Enya if it's in the Diant word, I think, Sail Away, Motherfucker <laughs> remix. I think, Felt D- like that. I think Dido went extinct. Or is that the Dodo? <laughs> either, either way, she's not around and no one knows what she tastes like anymore, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so my point is, when we're 50, are we, what are, are we still going to be listening to, like... The music we did when we were teenagers are we going to be able to expand and evolve to listen to new stuff or are we going to be like oh, it's all just crap yeah I've, i think well personally i've been listening to a lot of the shit that i always did listen to but i'm more open to adopting new stuff now so a few years ago i was just so into mob deep and wu-tang and i had a bunch of hip-hop that i really liked and I'd try and follow their new stuff a bit, but I'd really like their old stuff. Yeah, and I'd yeah. just stick to this period of time, really. And then after a while, opened up a bit and found guys like Danny Brown, maybe yeah. through you even, and Absol, and just some guys that I thought, you know, Immortal Technique, and guys that sounded like they were doing things I hadn't heard before and I wasn't ready for. Because I think I heard Immortal Technique in, like, 2003 or four. Yeah. But I was so much more ignorant to world affairs and all that kind of stuff that his extreme political views and the violence he was putting in his raps in my mind it sounded so misplaced and like this guy's just a psychopath and then 10 years later after looking at all this you know kind of just documentaries and how the world sort of works in financial terms and political terms it makes it makes a lot more sense and it's quite um it's quite edgy and i'm sure at in 2003 or 4 if you were kind of if i was more in tune with that sort of stuff it would have been mind blowing like yeah seems like he's really on the money just after all 911 and all this weird stuff went down so do you know that prodigy from mob deep has a new album coming out oh no um, i didn't it's called the hegelian dialectic which is actually a philosophical kind of com- com- concept <laughs> Um, what's that about oh geez i mean i'm gonna make a hash of it here but it's, it's generally to do with um it's the idea of like a world spirit and there's a dialectic which is like a uh a tension of forces that need to be resolved and he came up with the idea of the master slave dialectic which is like in terms of how people have power and stuff and i know marx took a lot of ideas from him but i, I don't really know about it i mean rappers seem to like making this <laughs> sort of shit now what is it jizza did one recently all about fucking space travel Planets and everything and stuff yeah yeah but politics astrophysics politics and music is tricky it's so often awkward but like I grew up listening to propaganda as well and they sort of like even if I it's weird because they I really liked them at the time and even if I don't necessarily agree with their politics I've still been following them and like they evolve as he's got older sort of thing and as you listen to it and it's moved from just more this snotty he's like oh I'm so embarrassed about the first album because it's just sort of like I was a (laughs) snotty anarchist doing this and that and as he got older moved to like less overtly like yeah fuck the oppression political stuff to like dealing with you know life and how you have to deal have to deal with stuff and the sort of shit that everyone goes through yeah propaganda was yeah hectic for me as well because i remember listening to that when i was quite young in the car and it would be more of this like offensive stuff that my dad would want us to turn off and all that like ah you fucking assholes and like all these cool lines in it and then again like you know 10 years down the track you can sort of i think you were aware politically you're a bit more politically minded than i am um, were aware of the things within the songs back then, but I was more just listening to it in this fuck the system way and enjoying the music, you know? <laughs> well, and that, then yeah. only sort of 
figured out sort of the political nature of a lot of the songs after the fact. And then once I started doing that, which probably was only within 10 years ago, um, and then a newer album came out and that song on it has heaps of references to dimethyltryptamine and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know it came like out that. around the same time that I first tried it or whatever and it just seemed like all this shit was lining up and I was like, oh my God. So I know I know what you mean about the growth and that and directly with propaganda, it was such a weird thing. Like I was sort of ignorant to their message, sort of started waking up to it and then it seemed like he had some similar experience that I did around the same time or a few years before or whatever well it enjoyed it because I, I liked his ability to um sort of be sort of specific but still make it sound good and everything whereas as opposed to say a more generalized rebellion rebellious message i suppose of which there's well two levels i can think of rage against the machine who are all like oh we're like radical revolutionary like, we're, we're revolutionaries and stuff like that but it's more just that they had this sweet sort of like you know, little rap sound with these crunchy Led Zeppelin guitars and stuff like that. Like it was the just original a, new metal. Yeah, it was, well, that's the thing. And then when I think it devolved by the time of actual new metal coming along, and I've heard people try to like examine new metal like ideologically and politically and what it means, and it's like, well, you just can't. It's just like the most mindless base sort of aggressive sentiment and playing into that. And it said that. I mean, I like Limp Biscuit. <laughs> it was fun. A lot of guys. Um in different genres tend to have a sweet view like that like you can get a Dil- a Bob Dylan or you can get a a Zach Della Rocca from Rage Against the Machine you can get KRS-One as like a hip hop guy or Immortal Technique and you know that you can get all those really good guys that have the crazy spot on views in the music and then when that sound seems to get like latched onto by mainstream record companies yeah. it sort of gets the essence of the music gets co-op- co-opted a little bit as well and I don't want to pick out bands and shit on people again but I I personally kind of felt like you know like because I was more immature as well but it felt like you got spat in the face by the music industry when Good Charlotte became this really good big thing in the mainstream yeah and you're like what it's sort of like it's it seemed at the time like they just stole the punk sound kind of thing and just made it this corporate bullshit um but in, in hindsight, they're probably quite good musicians and songwriters and it was an immature view to have. But that just like, I remember, I remember actually thinking a few times like, oh, it just seems like this corporate band that got made up to, to fill that skate punk void yeah. in the mainstream without really being anti-establishment. Yeah, but I, it's hard to say because, you know, Sex Pistols or whatever were essentially a business project or whatever in the first place as well anyway. It was, um, yeah, Malcolm, I forget his name, Malcolm McLaren, who was like a, you know, swinging 60s London guy. And, um, yeah, he put them together and just, like, oh, I'm going to shock people and make all this money and stuff like that. And <laughs> they're a bit crazier than he thought. And, like, their bassist killed his girlfriend and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. But Hectic. Yeah, and the Stones, when they first came out, they were quite like, ah, in your face, anti-establishment. Well, and yeah. then he got knighted. <laughs> yeah, he got knighted. I mean, Sir Mick Jagger. And... Because, you know, my dad's favourite band is the Rolling Stones, and that was the first show I ever went to. When I was five years old, I went to see the Rolling Stones at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Oh, nice. And the only memory... That would have been huge. The only memory I have is my walking from the car up there on the sidewalk with some younger people in front of us, and my dad pointing out the smell and being like, you smell that? That's cannabis. (laughs) Just telling me, not even in like a warning way or anything, because I was five, but just sort of to to let me know and stuff like that. But Yeah. 
but you know he used to play that I remember fucking there's a line in one of their albums he used to play when I was heaps young where it's like da 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 sparks will fly I'm gonna fuck your sweet ass <laughs> Mick Jagger saying that really? yeah I'm gonna fuck your sweet ass that's pretty cool yeah it's, it's not I haven't heard that song yeah and the Beatles were telling people Charles Manson to slaughter and kill people as well too so the Beatles were? Yeah, apparently he was like, the Beatles had hidden, hidden messages in their song. Uh, Helter Skelter, I think it was. Do you have to play it backwards or something? I don't think it was even that, but it was telling Charles Manson all about the race war that was coming up and stuff, and that's what, that's why he had to do that. So, so you know, fuck John Lennon. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> but yeah, Beatles, I mean, I just can't get, I just can't really get into them. <laughs> Same with jazz. People are suspect. I like the odd song, actually. Like, um, I know it's a bit cliche, but like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> it just reminded me of a story that I was um, maybe going to bring up as well. So, sure. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty hectic. It was back in, in high school. We used to have... It was like the first vaporizer that we ever got. I think three or four of us. Maybe just two. It was my friend and I at least chucked in for it and I think there was a third party that put some money into yeah and we all got this vaporizer for cannabis hmm. but it was made out of a soldering iron that gets turned upside down right Jesus. so that the top's up yeah. and then like a Vegemite jar that gets screwed on the top of this base that has the soldering iron hmm. and the tip where the soldering iron tip would be is like a it's like a bowl mm-hmm. but like attached to the iron so it yep. heats up and you would put the you'd put the cannabis in the bowl and then you screw the vegemite lid sort of thing on the top it's ma- it's just like a homemade vaporizer pretty much that we bought from this um this croc store in manly yeah sure and so we're doing that for a while and once we'd vape it until it was quite brown then we'd smoke smoke the stuff afterwards as well which <laughs> i probably wouldn't bother doing now because you're getting all the thc out of it anyway sure. but it seemed to still be doing something to us um so i'm probably about 15 in between 15 and 17. Yep. And we're hanging around smoking for a couple of hours at our mate's house in Forestville. I think his parents were out and we were all just sitting around listening to music and stuff on like a, on a boom box. Yeah. And Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds came on, the Beatles song. Yep. And we are really, really, really high. Like when you're having the vaporizer, it seems to heat it up. It heats it up to a certain point so it doesn't combust and just releases the THC and sure. activates the THC and you breathe this pretty much pure THC vapour. Nice. Um, we are leaving it on a bit too long because it wasn't a perfect medical-grade medical vaporizer. Mm-hmm. So it was burning a little bit and you get a little bit of smoke when it's about to be done and all that kind of stuff. So we weren't using it quite properly, but we were getting really, really baked. Sure. And then my friend, I think it was, I think it was James, started playing with the volume on the on the boom box while Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was on and it was going like Lucy in the Sky and just doing it over and over again for like you know a good 30 seconds or more and until it drove like the other three of us kind of insane we're just like stop it stop it and then totally. when we were telling him to stop it after a while he's like I'm not doing anything I'm not doing anything and we look at him and he's not touching the boom box and it's still doing oh, the man. crazy volume up and down thing that he'd been doing. Like he mind fucked the boombox and <laughs> we're all so high and it just kept pulsating the volume. And I was like, that is fully fucked up. And then it stopped and the boombox sort of stopped working for a while and all this weird shit. And the only other thing that was kind of trippy, like extreme trippy from that day that I remember 
was I thought the guys were fucking with me as well in the in the room, but I was sitting there and I could just hear in my head for a while after I was sucking on the the vapo. It was probably just peaking the the highest point Shot. of the day for me, kind of thing, as yep. I was hitting it. And um, I heard in my head someone saying my name or whatever and over again. So it's like it was like in 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 in, and I'm after a while I was like this is pretty fucking weird totally and I went what <laughs> and then all the other guys were like uh, what man and then after they stopped pissing themselves laughing like looking at me like I was completely insane they told me that I was sitting there saying my own name whispering or whatever and then I said what like, crazy, <laughs> like I was answering it to myself or whatever and to this day I still don't really know if they were fucking with me or if I really was in such a hectic high state that I was sitting there going what yeah that's, <laughs> that's an odd I still don't know that's an odd place to be in and stuff I remember <laughs> that's hectic yeah I, I know it was that a good I, day though. I get like that when I had the worst, and I haven't had them for a long time. But it's snow cones or cones. <laughs> I mean, I just like apparently. Apparently, my thing is uh, my my friend and his girlfriend who I've had around tell me that you know I go start punching punching the bong near the door or whatever and start saying something and then have it and then just start saying something and forget I was telling a story and they're still looking at me while <laughs> I've forgotten it and. <laughs> One of the best times was it was like a, a, a scattered morning at a friend's house, uh, Dasha's house, and um, you know I think I might have had a couple of those. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we were going to go up to shops and like grab a drink and a coke, and um, so we're like, okay, see you back in a second. There were like ten people just you know scattered morning sitting around a table smoking ciggies, and so we walk around to the front to go out, to go and leave, and I'm like, oh sorry, um, and get the car or whatever. I was like, oh sorry, uh, yeah, I just left my bag in there. I'll be back in a second to my girlfriend, and went back around there, um, saw my bag and grabbed my bag and um just like you know sat down and started talking to like friends like bummed a ciggy and stuff and probably about like five six seven maybe ten minutes later or whatever she comes around the corner just like with a baffled look on her face like, what, <laughs> what are you doing and i said oh in the space of about five seconds i'd forgotten that we were meant to go to the shops like just meant to grab my bag and walk back it wasn't even that they told me to stay there it was just i grabbed the bag and just sort of sat there like completely forgot but yeah we're not together anymore yeah they can um those sort of things can play with that short-term memory. One one of the first times I had, um, it was up near Forestville, actually. You mentioned it. it seemed like that's a pretty classic area for like young drug experiences. <laughs> it's in my mind a lot, a lot there, kind of thing. But uh, a school friend and um, I was having a little bit of weed, and he was too. But he was he was a bit more hardcore than me with trying out some drugs, and like he'd had acid <laughs> before me. And, he had some speed and stuff. And this was when we were really young, like thirteen or fourteen or whatever. And it was like these weird little that area is up on sort of a ridge and you go out into the bush um and uh it just sort of drops off and there was like an abandoned car that had been down there for ages and like pylons <laughs> and it's like a weird sort of environment and i had a few little dirty hashies and he did and then sort of like post apocalypse yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like <laughs> like sort of huffing a little bit of speed out it's like this, this like plastic thing and i just remember in my head we went down back to a playground which was well, just, just snorting it straight yeah, out yeah. of the baggy kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was sort of you know how you used to green out sometimes from like weed and so I was like feeling a bit sick and stuff but he'd had the speed and it was a little playground with 
I don't think they're around anymore ever since they make like safety playgrounds and stuff but it's like a little sort of pumpkin with open ends and you get inside and there's a big wheel and you spin it and you turn the wheel <laughs> and you do that and he just got on there and like maniacally span and he was an intense character at times as well too um, he used to for a period of about a year he watched American Psycho every night before going to bed um, but yeah he just kept spinning and spinning and spinning and just to make his dreams exciting yeah I suppose, <laughs> I suppose so but he's programming American yeah. Psycho every night it's pretty sad. I don't know but he's a successful family lawyer now so there you go well I guess he took the business side of the movie <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't watching it for anything else he was just learning from how to, Patrick Bateman he was just learning how to be a good I make good business cards fuck I hadn't even really thought of that I have to go return some videotapes <laughs> Huey Lewis is new, too black sounding for me as well <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that, that was him and good times. I mean, I suppose it is sort of like, you know, some people are like, you know, I don't want to hear like stoner stories, but these are formative experiences. You know, some people have certain things and my childhood, I might not remember as much of it as I want to, but, uh, and you've obviously learned from it. You're still here. Yeah, that's true. I haven't, I haven't died. So yeah. that's good. And you know, I mean, you haven't su- succumbed to addiction with any of the the things that you've partaken in particularly well when i was apart from nicotine oh yeah that's true <laughs> when we're in um yes, i've been partial to that on occasion as well though it's a bit of a prick that well in year seven when we started school and we had peer support leaders uh we went to shore shop which was like a youth festival that they used to hold um in a park near us. yeah school. i went to that a few times yeah. so that was very enjoyable and i went there and I was, <laughs> underage drinking yeah, in well, live bands <laughs> here's, here's the thing i was i was 11 when i started year seven and like it didn't turn it till you know april or something didn't turn 12 and started that we saw our peer support leader there and it was like oh hey how's it going like talked to us and stuff friends were playing and shit and he's like oh do you want to drink of this and gave me like you know a plastic bottle and i was sort of like oh this is kind of cool like having some beer and stuff like that and so I took a swig of it and it's like straight whiskey <laughs> and he's my peer support leader giving his 11 year old like straight whiskey um so i never quite cottoned on to drinking the same way which i'm sort of sort of pleased about yeah we're in the 90s though it's still off the back of all that 80s hazing kind of shit just a bit gentler you know well this wasn't hazing it was less rapey and more like um getting you in on the boys action wait yours so you didn't do the old dick in the butt routine no somehow oh, we avoided that, that shit I thought we were a public hey we're at the same school we avoided that shit well you might have I got fuck yeah textbooks everything I didn't do that much there. woodwork it sounds like oh I got so much woodwork yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I guess we should move on from the lathe. Yeah, from the lathe, exactly. <laughs> Even mathematics. I was like, what's my dick plus your ass? So. <laughs> I think i got a song we can play for that in a few episodes. But yeah, we might, we might. We'll save it, we'll save it up. Black Mac is waiting. Yeah, he's a good rapper, he's a good rapper. Well, I did have um another dream. I do like telling you my fucked up dreams. I do love hearing a dream. It's a bit actually. fucked up. But it was one from a couple of years ago, but... I thought, seeing I did remember a few details from it, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd let you hear it. Cool. But I love it. <laughs> it, was, it was this weird dream where I, it, it started in the middle of a police chase that I was in. I was driving, I don't remember what car, but I was driving a car from probably down the Manly area up towards Neutral Bay and that, but sort of not the full-on front way on... There's a few roads there, like Military Road and stuff like that, but sure. it was the back way with a rimber and all yep, that stuff. Yep. So this is completely in a dream. This isn't real stories. So yeah, don't yeah. worry. Don't worry, anybody. <laughs> but, so I'm like, oh, in this police chase and like getting away from the cops for a while, and it's quite exciting. 
and then got to this crest in the dream that sort of exists but it sort of doesn't it was like a mashup in my brain of this sure. area in Middle Harbour near this school, but my brain had turned it into a four-way intersection, and it was all like all of the roads were leading up to this point as a crest. Yep. And um, as I was getting police chased up towards this crest, I saw just at the last second that Carl Stefanovic was interviewing like heaps and heaps of little school children like a whole class of school children or more like maybe half a year you know um in the middle of the intersection like on the road in the middle of the lights and stuff while the lights are green and shit for me to come and stuff and then i think in the dream the way they work as i went through the intersection i probably looked and the lights were red you know (laughs) but i i cleared because it was a a crest. I cleared all the children and Carl Stevanovic and stuff, and I thought, oh, I hope I didn't cliff anything. Okay. And as I landed, the car just fucking flipped and started rolling and rolling and rolling, and I was, like, getting smashed. And then it cut, and I woke up at home in bed, right? And I'm yep. like, oh, that was heaps fucked up. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> there was this knocking on the door downstairs, and I ran downstairs, and it was my friend James again. This is a bit weird. It's James's episode. So this and, is uh, still in the dream, is it? Still in the dream. Woke up within the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend's knocking on the, my parents' house door downstairs and because like, I can hear it from my bedroom. <laughs> and, and I go down there and he's like, oh, man, I'm so glad you're alive. I thought you were dead. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I like gave him this big hug and he's like, oh. and as I came away from him, he like was totally crying. He's like, you killed all those school children. <laughs> you killed like 50 school children. Fuck. And I was like, oh, fuck. And like it. It didn't clear them at all. I just totally killed them. But then it was so weird because in the dream, it was a dream, you know, and I woke up from it. But then my friend was there telling me how it really happened in the next morning when I woke up. Sort of like as if you were like some badass and you did it and then you went home to sleep and and then it really did happen, you know, but you thought it was a dream, but it did. But it was such a weird within a dream thing that's happened that had to happen to a friend of mine in and sorry just Paragon. to finish it I um I emailed my friend because it reminded me of him I hadn't seen him for a few years I emailed him some music or some shit like that and just the way that it came about I didn't go out of my way to organise him to come around but we were just talking and he was like oh we should hang out sure and then he came around to my place and then like within two days of having the dream of him being at my door and like being yeah what's up man after like not seeing him for so long yeah. it sort of did happen in real life as yeah. well but not the car crash yeah. and all this shit but and then he came back we and- did make it materialise but like at the same time it was kind of this weird thing it's not it was quite natural it wasn't like after the dream, I was like, I'll get him round to my house. It sort of seemed to materialise naturally. He came round and he was like, fuck, did you get away with that shit? <laughs> if, okay, if that actually happened in that case, how many kids were dead, by the way, you reckon? I think he might have said 50 or something <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Okay, it was right. like I'd, instead of me clearing them like I thought and then rolling, it's like I just rolled and flipped all through this did whole class. Did you stop of... before the intersection? No, no, it's like I launched up into the air over the crest, even though there was this whole interviewing bunch of people. It was like the crest was so blind, me flying up to it at such crazy speed. There was no stop sign or Because I'm in a police chase. So I was yeah. probably trying to do like 150, Oh, you're in a police chase. Yeah, like... Right. And this crazy jump. And in my mind, it's going over them. But then when I woke up from this terrible yeah. night, <laughs> I actually just destroyed the entire interview and yeah, sometimes you just clip a kid i guess i wonder if i got carl that wasn't really part of it though i just remember he was the one interviewing all these 
fucking retarded kids in the middle of a because active, active, <laughs> active street intersection. Well, that's the thing. I was just wondering if it went to court, who would be responsible? And I mean, because you were already getting chased by the cops. Well, it depends what channel he's working for, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. Um, but this, this is, I don't know, this issue you reminded me of. It might be sort of boring, but it struck me as interesting and everyone, everyone can relate to it, is that, um, you know, there's a lot of specific road rules that you have to learn everything. Say you're on a two-lane road and you're in the right lane as someone's like turning right ahead of you and traffic starts backing up right and yeah. so there's like three or four of so you. americans imagine this as left or whatever yeah yeah imagine you want to get out into the, all four of you want to sort of get around this car in front right and you know how when you're trying to pull out like that it always seems like oh, like you always try and awkwardly both of you pull out at the same time and yeah. stuff there's no law regarding that about who can go first or whatever when you both want to go when right you both, but there's not really enough yeah room. when you both want to when you both want to get around the car like someone's turning right in front of you and you want to get in the other lane to keep going straight on the road um, yeah so you both sort of want to get and it's like I was wondering does it go from like front to back or back to front and I looked it up and there, there is no law so if yeah, you yeah you sort of just get cock blocked most of the time if you're too close but if you leave enough room and then there's a gap. Some people are quite nice, but if you have an accident, Sydney then, drivers are pretty fucked though. <laughs> Whose fault is it though? If you, if you crash in that case, if you pull out a little bit and they hit the side of your car, like isn't it like it, does, it, does it work like racing rules? Like if they get the you know that window bit up to the side of your car. <laughs> I you sup- should let them pass and all this kind of shit. That's a bit psycho. You can't really do that with r- real road r- rules. I suppose it's that general thing of if you're behind, you're responsible because you're meant to be keeping enough of a gap. So if you both pull up, the person in behind should have been... been so if you hit them up... It's basically if you hit them up the ass. Yeah, if you hit them up fault. Yeah. So if you don't pull out far enough and they hit you in the side, you'll yeah. probably get fucked for pulling out. Yeah. Have you ever been in a car accident? Uh, nothing big enough to be reported... And one that was probably big enough to be not not reported because it wasn't with anyone, but it almost stopped us from driving the car home. But I drove it home in a fucked up way. I'll tell you that story if you want. It's pretty fucked Go up. On, yeah. um, my mate from Forry that we were talking about before had a a Dado, a Datsun. Yep. I can't remember what model. Sorry, guys, but it was brown it was like poo brown with a vinyl roof on it just for reference this suburb is the same suburb that our prime minister lives in <laughs> Go ahead. the reason he bought the car well not the reason he was looking for a cheap car but one of the main reasons that he bought this datsun was that it was advertised for sale for 420 dollars <laughs> so he fucking got it and then the stereo that he put in there was worth i think more than the car or yep. some shit like that and then because it was this quite cheap car, obviously, we shared it amongst our friends a little bit. It was it was his car, but he was quite quite lenient with like, oh, yeah, you can drive it, just take it, just make sure you look after it. Yeah. And this one day we were driving it um, pretty recklessly. Not, not speeding, but with those old heavy cars, you mm. can sort of do fishtails around corners in between 30 and 50 k's an hour, yep. which is within the speed limit. So it's sort of like you're driving like a complete fucking asshole 
but you're not really breaking any laws apart from like excessive assholery or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, whatever the real law Asshole is, you know, guy, like yeah. negligent or something. Neg- yeah, but like, okay. it's not really, right, yeah, dangerous yeah. maybe um, for doing burnouts and, you know, just corners that are skidding out and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get down like that a bit and I seem to have a little bit of a natural talent for this, this retarded driving and shit. Excellent. So cool. it was a bit, it was a bit of a double edged sword though because um, it would also me pulling off a few stupid moves without even training and stuff does encourage the other guys like as well like oh this is easy shit and um we're all sort of doing it it does seem easy until something goes wrong and yeah. one of our other friends was driving and we're, we're um going down this road in it's up around that area again but middle harbour neutral bay order but next to is it primrose park i think yeah i know it yeah and there's a big hill leading down to to the park and just before it gets to an opening where there's a car park at the bottom there's a big street divider gutter size thing just dividing the middle of the road that comes up and and we'd flown over the crest to go down this hill i'm not sure if we got air but i remember my head smashing into the roof or whatever and actually having a sore neck like oh my god like fuck you like to the driver like what are you doing this is crazy but still sort of like haha this is crazy fun because everything was still going right and then the the gutter that was raised after the double lines ended and just became this weird sort of foot wide gutter sized piece of concrete that just ran for a while yeah um seemed to come out of nowhere because we were flying as well and it just collected the front right tire and dented the whole like suspension and everything in so that the the front right tire was on this 45 degree angle now cool. sort of pushed in and the camber was fucked and whenever <laughs> you drove the car it made this horrible screeching yeah, yeah. sound of dragging know, the wheel along the ground oh, and um it kind of fucked my mate up too bad to keep driving after that oh, and then we're like oh we've got to we've got to get it home so I ended up driving this car with this retarded wheel making this psychopathic screeching noise all the way from Primrose back to my friend's house that we were staying at at Seaford <laughs> down through the S-Bends in sure. the spit and stuff like <laughs> it was so fucked yeah. people were just looking at the car and being like oh like pointing and stuff trying to tell you to stop driving like yeah it's cool it's cool thanks and like it was pretty fucked up oh man yeah those things are hectic um I had, yeah, the big red bitch, you'd be familiar with it. It was my old red car, like a red Fairmont. Yeah, yeah, the, the bitch. I remember the bitch. Um, there were a few times in that, like, we went to paintball and got a bit high afterwards. And, you know, we were all pulling out of the car park and it was sort of a bushy kind of place. And I was a little bit high and not really paying attention and had some friends outside just talking shit, saying goodbye as you are. And I'm like, see you later, fuckers. And I was intending to, like, just burn off or whatever. But this is, like, the only time I've done it. Had it in reverse and reversed just straight into a gum tree, like the tow bar directly into the gum tree behind it. Uh, <laughs> straight after the line. Straight the after the line. Uh, it's so, it was so embarrassing and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that car got written off. Um, it was the fastest I've ever been in a car. It got up to 220 in it. Um, yeah, which like 150 miles an hour. Far out. My mate was asleep in the back kind of thing. Oh, and he woke up. Nice. He woke up when we, <laughs> when we got up to there. Um, I try not to do that as much anymore. Jesus. Sort of. But, um, yeah, that thing died when we were driving around. We used to go on party cruises in it and stuff. i just have a little cruise and there were a few mates and uh, some guy on his phone fucking... Um, I imagine that fucking thing at 220 kilometres an hour just rattling like that fucking the caging contact that's not supposed to be in the capsule <laughs> she's in kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a little bit of that. well I did go and talk to my dad on an alien planet for a second kind of thing. 
But um, opened a wormhole. Yeah, opened a wormhole, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that car, some fucking yuppie on his phone in a BMW went into the back of that car and wrote it off. And I don't know. Hopefully, it's in a better place as part of like some Chinese skyscraper or something, because um, it's good times. Well, yeah. But yeah, I don't do that shit anymore. I used to like fucking have micro sleeps occasionally and stuff as well. Just sort of irresponsible driving. I had a couple of dings, but nothing, nothing major. And then that one with my friend was good. Oh, actually, in terms, in terms of a bit weird accidents on the road, I have. I've ridden, like, a motorbike for maybe five or six years. Cool. <coughs> and learning to do that sort of a... It's quite an experience in itself. I'd recommend it, but I just uh, be acutely aware of what you're getting into and what you need to do. But I've only ever ridden, a, like, a trail bike on a farm or whatever, and even that was, like, pretty good, so... Yeah, I imagine if you grew up doing that, you'd feel a lot more normal about it. I'm sort of... I'm so late in the game that I trust my skills now, but... There's still something about it when I'm not riding, when I think about riding. Yeah. It seems really fucked up. But then as soon as you're on the bike, it's like you're super focused and it's like, it's really, really fun, but... It does seem really fun. (laughs) Basically, the first, one of the first days that I took it out on my all plates, I uh, went up to the street and little did I know at the time as well, I'd bought like a sort of semi-secondhand bike that had had the engine rebuilt and all this stuff and... I didn't know it was only running on three cylinders because it had been sitting and gunked up one of the cylinders. So I kept having to throttle it heaps to get it to, to stay, mm-hmm. just, just to stay on sort of thing, otherwise yep. it would die. And I was at this stop sign and these people were behind me and that was stressing me out because I stalled the bike a few times Yeah. and um, I was turning right to go up towards the hospital. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I got quite stressed from them sort of honking their horn at me and shit like totally, this on my yeah. L plates on the bike, like, um, stalling the bike and having to turn it back on and shit. When I did finally go for it, I whiskey throttled the shit out of it and ended up um, burning accidentally up this pedestrian ramp onto the footpath and going up the footpath for a while <laughs> and this motorbike accidentally going too fast out of control and um, <laughs> fortunately I got my hand off the gas and slowed it down and then just looked at this car that had sort of stressed me out and they were just like shaking their head like laughing kind of thing at me as they drove past so that was sort of a fucked up start to begin with and then I think I dropped it when I was doing the day for my P's test which is like the provisional the next step up from L's and yep. um Went for the the day doing all this riding. You go on a, a ride out in public with the other trainees and the rider trainer and stuff. Yep. Do you um, wear those orange vests or something? Yeah, I think you I've do. Seen yeah, you the high vis, high vis kind of yeah. shit. And uh, come back and do. I think there was a little test or something that was easy enough to pass. And then there was a practical test, riding and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they show you how to do the test before you actually do it and when we were getting shown and practicing how to do the test before the actual test was going down i was trying to do a quick stop yeah and i ended up dropping my bike on its side or whatever and I was yeah. like, oh, that fucked me in the brain a bit and i ended up failing the test and when i left the place i was still a bit like oh, embarrassed and fucked up from dropping my bike for the the very first time um that when I got to Wacos Parkway, which is like a couple of kilometres away from the training centre, I realised that I'd ridden off without doing my chin strap up and sure. all this shit. So yeah. just making all these rookie moves. But along the way, it sort of makes you like, oh, you, you have to have your shit together to do this. Otherwise, you're making, in hindsight, these fucking deadly moves that are just fucking ridiculous. And it got to a head when 
one day I was riding home from work still on my all plates probably after failing that course and I'd gotten quite confident by this point because I, I ended up having my L's for maybe two years because sure, yeah. I failed the test and didn't bother going back for a while, renewed the L's and stuff and um, I'd been getting faster and faster on straights and getting more confident with my turns and stuff but I hadn't really got the balance to the point where I could do good U-turns and shit I hadn't really got this good proper balance down but it felt like I kind of had all the basics down to be able to ride properly, go fast, slow down and sure. like, hit corners properly um, so I hit some... Avoid, like, Karstefanovic like, and kids yeah, and stuff, yeah. Hit, like, 120 or 130 kilometres an hour um, on this bit of 80 road, that, which is, like, out of the way. There's nothing around, but the only risky thing would be if wildlife ran across the road, that it'd be pretty messed up. But um, that that was intense enough. 130 k's an hour on a little on two, a bike, yeah. 250 bike is pretty light. You can feel the wind pushing your head around and shit. I know that sounds pussy, but on your L-plates and stuff, it was mind-blowing enough for me. And then... Um, so I was getting cocky, basically, is the thing. I was riding home from work one day and undertook a couple of cars on, on this road coming yeah. down a hill from Forestville towards Manly. Yeah. And I undertook this first car and it was fine, got up to a roundabout, went through the roundabout, undertook another car and started burning off down this corner. Yeah. And I hit a sewer lid. Oh, fuck. And it just made me sort of wobble a bit. And at the time, I didn't really... I didn't have the balance down, like I was saying. Yeah. And you can sort of control a lot of stuff with the way you move your ass on the bike yep. seat. It Shifting sort of your seems, weight. Yeah, it okay, seems to control right. the back wheel a yep. lot. But as soon as I got the wobbles, I sort of freaked out. And yep. I was looking at the gutter, and you're supposed to look where you want to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this stuff, yeah. and I'm like, oh, shit. And I keep going towards the gutter, and I had the death wobbles. And I hit the gutter put the bike down and fortunately it was a low side fall and this is after undertaking these cars thinking i'm a hell smart ass they yeah. see the, <laughs> see this dickhead in front of them after making these stupid moves yeah i can put his bike down and i all i remember was going down seeing the next thing was just road flying past my face i think it was only at about 60 k's an hour but it was felt pretty fucked up yeah um just seeing road going past your face through the visor and i was like oh that's weird looked up a little bit with my hands open palm like bad news i shouldn't be doing that but open palm sliding down the road Oof. on my gloves but it wasn't cutting through so it was okay because it was quite slow speed um and looked up and the bike is just sparking down the street in the gutter <laughs> and i'm like oh shit sort of come to this sliding stop in this superman pose yeah and um <laughs> i only had kevlar jeans on so i didn't have big leather pants or anything i just had these kevlar lined jeans which helps with the road rash but yeah. it doesn't really help with impact and stuff it wasn't too bad because it was low side but i slid for a bit cut the jeans up which fucked my knees a little bit and then um, went to to pick the bike up out of the gutter. One of the cars that went past, <laughs> I saw pull over just briefly to make sure that I got up or whatever. Sure. And nice. I got up, and then they just drove away, and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Because <laughs> like, I was so supercharged on adrenaline by this point. This lady walking up the street's like, oh, you all right? And I'm like, oh, I hope I didn't freak anyone out. Oh, She's like, nice. no, you are right? And went to help me pick the bike up, and I was so fucked up at the time. I went to pick up this sort of 130, 140-kilogram bike, Maybe it's only 120, but I'm not that big. <laughs> and I went to pick it up, and she's like, oh, i help you. And we went to go one, two, three, and I picked it up early, and I just picked this thing up so easy on my own because I was just so charged. And I'm like, oh, because I still probably can't do it now, and I've worked out more than back then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that was the first one, and then I did a second one on the same day. <laughs> oh, man. So I thought, oh, fuck that. 
I don't want to be a pussy and not ride again. I'll just take it out and ride to my friend's house up at St. Leonard's. Yeah. So I took it out that same night after being like, oh, I can't really walk too good. My knees are a bit fucked. Oh, but I don't really need to walk to be on the bike riding. It's all right. And then uh, about three <laughs> kilometers into the ride, I hit another little... It's not a sewer lid, but it was one of those... There's like a little square, maybe less than a foot across. I forget what they're the, the ports to on the road, but they're much smaller. But I hit my front tyre in it, and I went high side this time. <laughs> so it threw me over the handlebars, and I landed from about a metre, a metre and a half up in the air on a downhill straight onto my knees that I'd already sort of slid on in the day. And then like, I went to my mate's house, like calmed down, rode the bike the bike home later that night and made it home and it was all sweet but I was like oh I put it away for um a month or two after that while my knees got better and shit but it didn't break anything and I was really lucky in that in that respect that as I started to get too cocky like this fucking yeah. little jerk on a on a sports bike that doesn't have the fucking skills yet that my crashes were quite safe in the way that that one where I undertook and got out of the way, the traffic slid along the road like 20 metres ahead of these cars. Yeah. Meant that they didn't run me over straight away. Sure. But, like, it was bad news both times. And then the second time, no cars were around. The bike didn't hit any other cars or anything again. Some people came out of their house and offered oh, me water and oh, shit. And then, oh, it's so nice and embarrassing. Yeah. Friends, but, yeah, so embarrassing. Fuck. But, fuck, after that and then getting the P's and full licence and achieving all that and being more fucking sensible about it and you know Sweet. it's really really enjoyable and it sort of will sharpen you as a person but you've got to be willing to <laughs> to do it that way otherwise you're going to be fucking splattered on a wall somewhere so totally um yeah putting that in a, in a wider sort of thing people always say the road toll so high kind of thing we need to bring it down and shit but i'm amazed it's so low like yeah, honestly really, way, really. like I, I know roughly i don't know the exact stats but in um only half as many people die from in car accidents in Australia today as they did in like the 70s right <laughs> and that was when Australia had way less people and everything like that um, just because the amount of drunk driving and everything else like that and um, I know that maybe because there was less people you could drive faster because you weren't all backed up all the time <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but it's kind of funny globally sort of thing um, it's been like you know first world countries became very car based and we all sort of had them um that's happening in the developing world now and it's just crazy like uh, vehicle accidents are like by far the fastest growing forms of death in like so many developing countries like mexico and places like that and but you're right though it's it's really it is surprising when you think about it that so many people are in control of this little death machine and it doesn't really happen all the time it's odd because you think oh yeah there's so many stupid people out there and there are and there are fucking stupid people and you have horrible ones where people accidentally mount curbs and all that shit yeah and do that and but it is um it's a lot more sparse than you would think i remember it shits on chaos theory sorry dr malcolm or (laughs) (laughs) well in st leonard's there was that fucking these guys walking along drunk near the train station through really late at night through some cheetos at a car (laughs) and the chick driving was like quite young um like from that area and stuff i think she'd had pills and was drunk and stuff like that and got outraged and went back and drove her car straight into him like, oh. and killed him, pinning him into like the wall and stuff. That's messed up. So that's like vehicular murders must be like the main thing or whatever now. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy, huh? Well, it's out of control. So, I mean, you know, a certain minority of people, you can't really trust them with this shit and stuff. But mm. Well, I don't know. I think it gets to that point where who's the one that 
there's some old quote I heard from someone where it's like if um maybe it's Bill Hicks where it's the people that get on acid and jump out of windows. Yeah. It's like, well, if they if they didn't think about taking off from the ground first, fuck them, they should be dead anyway, sort of thing. Which is pretty awesome. I'm sort of all for that, the whole... I sort of tried to think about my whole legalised drugs thing recently, and I'd stick to that expensive version where you get the psychologist and explain it to everyone and tell them about consciousness. I'd stick to that as the good one, but if we were just going to be like, oh, fuck it... I'd be like free for all and just punish the crimes, you know? Yeah. And you'll you'll sort out the fucking idiots. Like I, I know you get detached in certain drug states and stuff, but a lot of people don't, you know? And maybe there's something wrong with these people that are willing to stab people in the face for aliens when they're on when they're on ice and shit like that cuz I don't know, there's a bunch of people that don't too. So punishing the crimes could be enough of a deterrent to stop people from taking the drugs that aren't capable of doing the drugs but yeah. it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like that's working at the moment anyway so so I say legalize the drugs you get le- you get more police involved in all those violent crimes and shit yeah and then leave the people alone that aren't aren't really doing anything wrong until they do something fucked up I know the drug thing is about protecting people but let's face it that war on drug shit hasn't really protected anyone. It's just made a fucking industry out yeah. of putting people in jail and getting more money for your charity that wants to shit on something else. Yeah. It is hard to say how to approach it. There's been some new national approach on ICE here or whatever because the problem is that it becomes more than just a um, sort of individual responsibility. It becomes a community, how it becomes shit, a community yeah. issue and stuff, which I suppose it is fucked up. reaches its worth. Like when you look at like late 80s, early 90s America, when the crack comes in there, when yeah. it comes into unstable communities and stuff, it'll just fucking destroy it. And I imagine that goes on a lot around the world, but I can't see... I don't think weed really does that. I don't think weed destroys communities, so... Yeah, no. Um, we can get away with that, but it's about... Well, that yeah, that's a no-brainer. That one should be legal for sure. Hmm. But ICE, I don't know. I mean, nah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, That's what I'm saying. If it's a perfect one, I'd say, yeah, they're all legal. Treat the mental health. Treat, uh, prosecute the crimes. But, yeah, you'd want to explain it to them. Like, no, you're not allowed to do it unless you come here for three days. You get to have it, but then you've got to stay here and get rehabilitated from having such a devastating experience. Yeah. But, and people will want to take it and go outside with it and stuff. They would but wonder, I, I wouldn't want to be the guy trying to keep a guy on ice from going out. But if you get a, if you get old China on the people that do violent crimes and shit, I don't know. It doesn't seem to keep the violent crimes down in those sort of places when you put the crazy sentences on. But in that same way, you could say the same thing for drugs with mandatory sentencing and shit not working for bringing drug use down which essentially that was the whole nixon and all that shit wasn't yeah. it was in the best interests of the people to yeah. not be using the drugs so we're trying to bring it down to make people healthier and better yeah but now it's turned into this thing where it's like oh well, we can't really bring the use down but we'll keep prosecuting users yeah yeah i suppose i suppose it is like that in that we way. need to transcend that fucking drug war nixon and reagan mentality shit it's, it's weird though because I was thinking about the increased use of ice and everything like that and I'm sure that in you know I don't know how you would study or do this but it, it's increased use and popularity and crystal meth in America and stuff definitely bad. <laughs> it has something to do with like the increased pace of life and how everyone does stuff you know um, with the way I mean life yeah, it's is, a working man's drug <laughs> life is more volatile than it was I suppose in the 50s and stuff like that you know people have shorter amounts of jobs there's like 
you know all the types of little subcultures and industries to do shit you know um everything even i can remember since when i was a kid there's so much more stuff open at night you know there's so many more people going out and doing stuff at night so ice is sort of the thing with that i mean we'll just look at energy drinks imagine if in the 50s someone's like oh what is this and you're like oh you know coke you know they don't drink coke but you have to have more like when you need to get really pumped for like a rave and shit (laughs) it's like pump full of caffeine they're like do you you have like a normal coffee dude like yeah i think when we're all lost in the in the nonsense of like capitalism and trying to like stick into that shit when you end up having to think about your own mortality some shit like that may not seem insane to people that don't have a job and are struggling really hard it's just this super super psychotic short form of escapism that really works good <laughs> but just for like a few minutes but fuck if you like and they're probably in the mind state like my life's already ruined and all that shit it's probably a good one to keep illegal you're right but what? I I like the whole legal standpoint and then just treating treating all the symptoms and all that kind of shit, but it's such a complex issue. It's fucking crazy. ISIS for an active lifestyle, I suppose, as yeah. well, too. But, yeah, I mean, it is crazy. The world's crazy. There's a lot of shit around that there didn't used to be. Um, I mean, that, you know, fucking redtube.com. <laughs> yeah, energy drinks, uh, dubstep whatever the kids are listening to <laughs> oh man I sound like an old fogey whining about shit <laughs> but we didn't have energy drinks when we were a kid no my friend and I when we'd go uh, skateboarding we'd actually buy glucogen is it I remember that yeah it was like powdered uh, powdered energy drink kind of thing I yeah. guess glucosade's been around for a while yeah technically an energy drink but it's probably just full of sugar right yeah um, and we would buy the powdered shit and just go nuts on that. <laughs> yeah, I remember know. doing at Macca's as well the full poor man's version. We get free ice waters hmm. and then get a bunch of their sugar, <laughs> like sugar sachets, yeah. and fill up uh, the shu- the water with sugar and make ice sugar water, <laughs> and then go skating on ice sugar water and shit. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I got that same friend. I got some Joel Collars with once to go do that as well. That seemed like the most badass thing ever. <laughs> I have to say, in terms of, yeah, vices, I could probably... It's weird because there's so much... As a response to all this choice uh, and stuff and all the abundance of food and stuff around, that's where, obviously, this subculture of, like, healthy eating and organic lifestyles... We're not talking about the ice ice heads here. (laughs) Um, But that's where that comes from. And they're such wankers and it is such a wanky thing because, ultimately, it's about, well, if you're going to eat healthy, you don't need to tell everyone and fucking write blogs and get groups about it and pat yourself on the back and shit. But that's probably my biggest vice is sort of just consuming this sort of just random mass-produced sort of stuff. <laughs> and I know it is sort of inevitable, and it's not really like a moral failing to do so. But it's just society does make it so easy to sort of... That is the true nature of consciousness, though. I don't think we've gotten to this one in here, but it's that we all really do want to know what each other think because essentially we are all that voice in our own head kind of thing. Sure. So. We all want to know what we think and shit, and we all potentially love, whether you're disconnected from it or using it for hate and all this shit. Love is that overextending emotion that sort of applies to all the other ones. So I think, again, if we're going to use AI as the place you're going to, yeah. it'd be really cool that it sort of gets born out of that like infinity kind of mind, like eternal love, but then it's all totally complex and fucked up from all this random YouTube commentary. and <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's going to want to know what, what everything thinks as well, but it's just going to happen so quick that 
It seems like that sky niche, Skynet shit is possible, but at the same time, you never know if the logic loop is going to blow its brain up instantly. But Well, you never know, but I mean, that thing about information, I guess a good way to visualise it is that I read that on Monday, um, one billion individual people logged onto Facebook. And that's more people than existed in the world just before the Second World War or whatever. And this is one company. Think about what the fuck... Think about all the information on one billion people's Facebook's account. Active information that they're using it. And it it is mind-boggling that you can't comprehend what what it would be like to do that. I mean, we are just creating fucking this insane uh, stockpile of sort of virtual information. And there's so much It is just a scattered consciousness, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that it's not physical because it's sort of... I mean, ultimately, it's physical because it's sort of... It's externalised. Kept on something. And, yeah. But it is... It, you know, imagine trying to explain this concept to someone from the 1950s or something. <laughs> it's pretty out there. You couldn't really do it or whatever, yeah. I think that... Es- I didn't really get to it, but the essence of my point was the... If the essence of our own consciousness is that we like to know what we think, we like to know what other people think, because we're essentially sort of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it's based in love. The internet's already a reflection of that because of all the the commentary and Reddit and all these things that don't seem like they should be such big parts of the internet being the big, big parts, mm. and then porn. And then all that shit's like the physical representation of love is directly on a major part of the internet as well you know so it's it's love consciousness are you saying Pornhub is like the physical representation of love well yeah on (laughs) in internet terms you know so like if it's love consciousness and it's we always want to know what each other think then that's reflected so much in just commentary reddit all those sort of uh forums and shit and then massive amounts of porn it's just synonymous with love consciousness (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's strange because, you know, there's so much so much garbage. Maybe John Lennon was right. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Fuck. Because the internet, everyone's oh, so full of trash, it says that, but more so than any other form of media, it is the most democratic and representative accumulation of stuff. Because, yeah, and non-biased. And- yeah, newspapers, <laughs> newspapers obviously publish. And I mean, they're, obviously it's weighted towards, you know, certain people more influential and than others. And you have others. to dig for the weird shit. Yeah. And you have to dig, but even taking it as sort of some sort of hole, I mean... You know those uh, those little charts you see about um, what the top t- search terms are and stuff like yeah. this. Um, it's a pretty accurate sort of <laughs> representation of tastes and stuff. I'm sure they censor those um, what's trending now charts on the news channels and stuff. There. <laughs> yeah, probably. If it was a true um, true picture of what was actually happening that instant, unfiltered, I'm sure you'd get a lot of cock in there. I've seen some good ones where they do it by each country, and I'll tell you what, Pakistan has problems. I don't remember the specifics, but... They were looking up some weird shit. Yeah. Even in America, they did a map I saw by, by each state. It's like a different, like, top genre of porn or whatever kind of thing. <laughs> and I don't know how you're meant to sort of sample that, you know? I wonder who the foot fetish state is. Hmm. I don't know. That's more Italy, I think, the foot fetish, because it's shaped like a boot. Or oh, true. Yeah. It's inherent. Yeah, let me see your feet. <laughs> Just like a mama used to be. Oh, I don't want to see Alaska's Facebook page or wow. porno page or whatever. Why, you reckon that's... Something to do with the Alaskan pipeline, I'd oh, say. Well, probably. I know that Alaska has the highest proportion of men to women in any state. Men to women? Yeah, because it's like all like outdoor rugged sort of industrial yeah, type okay. stuff. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that 
No. Frontiering. Frontiering. I think that's another sex move. Yeah. <laughs> well, while we're on it, it's a bit juvenile, but you can you can make. I'm sure you're aware of the Alaskan pipeline and the Cleveland steamer. It's very easy to make like funny funny joke kind of sex move names by just getting an American city or area and putting something afterwards, like the, <laughs> the Albuquerque handshake. You know. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want a Denver suitcase? <laughs> I can't think of a good one. I don't know. Right. The Portland picnic basket's fucked up. <laughs> but anyway, that's you can you can continue. What that about one. a Georgetown gyroscope? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it sounds intrusive. They got good with a Baltimore butterfly. I think, as well. <laughs> so this, this could run and run. But anyway, you have fun with that there at home. Um, just for reference, the Cleveland steamer is uh, when someone defecates on someone else's chest. Um, it can also be adopted by if that person gets under a glass coffee table. That's called the glass bottom boat. Oh, and then if you incorporate the man into it to um, partake in the the chest afterwards, I think it becomes a chili dog. Oh, it does become a chili dog. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. The internet's been disgusting for quite a long time. Oh, that's fuck. <sighs> that is fuck. And it, well, this, this <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to no, mention there? Because slam it. I wanted to bring this up, and this seems as good as place as any. But uh, <laughs> I suppose we can wrap up soon. But um. I, li- I like this concept. You might as well, too. We were talking about ways of living and, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, to some people it's the emancipation of the proletariat or others it's, like, serving God or, like, being straight edge or whatever or blowing people up and all this sort of shit. But um, I've always liked Aristotle's, or the ancient Greeks more specifically, which is the cop- concept of uh, eudaimonia. Um, E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A. You don't... I have no idea what the fuck that yeah, is. Yeah, I only found it recently because I've been sort of ignorant in regards to that stuff, but... Aristotle summed it up it's essentially it's to the question which was posed by some of them like how should we live or whatever it was uh, it's the idea of a good life and Aristotle said that the two main components other people had more but he just wanted to reduce it were contemplation and virtuous action yeah and I, I reckon that, that's pretty good those ancient Greeks had some of that some of that shit right oh dude that's spot on it's just a shame when you um go back and I guess I guess everyone's kind of flawed or whatever so yeah. you should take that brilliance from their mind and then not look at their life and judge them and shit but yeah lots of those dudes were pedos and shit as well <laughs> they're fucking awesome but yeah weren't the Greeks into some weird shit it's hard to judge by by today's it's standard. a different time as well. Okay, yeah. It's a different time, my friend. If I can take, but from today's standard, yes, they were pedos. It's because men, women were uh, second-class citizens, right? Oh, so within their upper tiers, shit. It was to do with sort of mentorship. It was the idea of like it's always it, some power game yeah, shit. Well, yeah, it's so fucking weird. The guys doing it were saying, you know, they, no one, you wouldn't go up and be like, "Ha ha, you're a queer," because you know they're pretty badass. Um, <laughs> and but not all of them did it, I think. But the idea was of sort of teaching young men and introducing them to stuff and um it's it's not really like fucking taking them into the corner with some candy and raping them and stuff and they'd probably look just showing them a dodecahedron and and they'd look (laughs) (laughs) they'd come they'd come today and look at stuff like you know transgendered or cleveland steamers and decide that we're fucking disgusting and stuff as well Um, yeah totally but they'd see two girls one cup and be like oh my god exactly it belongs in hades (laughs) but um 
But uh, a, a distinction sort of related to that, which I thought, you know, could be of use to people, is that it was very much the women took care of shit at home, right? And the men went to, they called it the Agora, which was like the forum. It was a town square where politics would be discussed. And this is really yeah, where... Yeah, this early politics. This is, stuff. yeah, really where... This is why the Greeks are so big. This is where the ideas of democracy came from and stuff. So it wasn't democracy as we know now because it was only propertied men and stuff yeah, that yeah. generally got to vote. Um, but they had... The idea was that tying into that women and that uh you know they belong in the house while the men are here doing that they very much distinguish politics and economics into two different things which we still have today as being about politics something high-minded the men discussed whereas economics being just sort of the practical shit around the home like the household related sort of stuff and they would look down on that <laughs> and probably go off to like fuck some boy or whatever so and somewhere along the line someone figured out the power of economics yeah, exactly <laughs> but they came up with it and you know then it got sort of they went down and you know the christians and stuff came out and i suppose what we really have today is a synthesis of christian belief and you know that ancient mediterranean greek stuff totally i'm trying to think of the word for it i know it but fuck it's all throughout that robin green uh robert green book 48 laws of power yeah it's heaps about that sort of ancient roman where they get together and shit court yeah court yeah okay court members and shit like that sure yeah. Um, members of the court so yeah I like looking at some of that stuff because it sort of reminds you as well that uh, stuff is imperfect it's it's you shouldn't expect an ideal world the sort of stuff that has to happen and that's why I have a real problem with some current people these days who are always like oh let's, let's you know do this let's do yeah, that you ri- and they write someone off just from lo- some little fuck up or yeah. you know some some shit that maybe is wrong but that they can learn from but you get written off because of this fucking snap judgment society yeah exactly but well I'm interested that's I'm, what we're saying though I think we should take the good from those fucking ancient philosophers and then just be like oh well we don't do that other shit in our time so fuck, yeah. fuck the rest of your nonsense but but I don't know it's hard to say because civilizations rise and fall you know and ours is <laughs> eventually gonna fall but the one big difference well, I'd say let Kramer do another show but <laughs> I don't think Kramer was that funny in the first place. I think that's why he blurted that shit out, which is why he got so shat on. So if it came out naturally and he said this and dropped the M-bomb in some really funny way that was creative, he might not have got so destroyed, but he did it in this angry, psychopathic, racist way. So, But I still think if he was good enough to do another set, people should forgive him and let him have the chance to be funny. But I'd never found him funny apart from Seinfeld in the first place. <laughs> Well, t- everyone deserves a second chance, man. Man, you lost me there. How do we get from that to that? I know Kramer and shit. <laughs> Dropping M bombs. Yeah. Well, we're talking about court before that. And Kramer's in court. Oh, what you mean? He's in court. I <laughs> know. Oh, let's go. Move on. Move on. <laughs> oh man, fuck. Well, sometimes hic- hiccups happen. But you know, um, what, I wonder what Aristotle would think of Seinfeld. I don't think he'd like it. I know if Hitler saw it, he'd decide that he was only justified in what he did. <laughs> um, but that's what happened. I, no, I was saying, in relation to old like Pythagorean shit and all that stuff, you can take all the good and then fuck off, fuck off the bad. You know, like I'm not saying I would subscribe to Kramer in the first place, which is probably why I'm not really getting it that poignantly and don't give a fuck about it. But I'm just saying, everyone sort of deserves their second chance but even if they are a fuck up and a write-off you shouldn't ignore the fact that they might have you know if he was einstein you wouldn't just write off the theory of relativity because he dropped the n-bomb you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah 
or if it's like you know if it's Anders Breivik you wouldn't write off the concept of violent racism just because of what he did <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was a joke but uh, just to say you want to know is that guy still kicking they don't they don't have do they have the death penalty in no not at all he only way? got he didn't even get a life sentence he got a 20 they're super like liberal and stuff he's got a 21 year sentence I believe oh that's fucking um, gross and he wrote this big that's one of those ones that calls for like 120 years or some yeah. bullshit thing you know and also I sort of he came across so pathetic when I saw that recently he wrote this big long thing in the same dramatic style he wrote his manifesto that they wouldn't let him have Call of Duty on his fucking Xbox and they only gave him Crash Bandicoot to play haha <laughs> sucked in cunt but why are they giving him fucking video games and stuff it's crazy yeah it's all those um human rights and stuff well that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah you still gotta try and be compassionate and shit and Norway are ahead of the game yeah those countries are so much like that the light the light sentence on years though I don't get that yeah you should he should get a life sentence for sure like proper life but you know fuck these things happen. It's fucked up. <laughs> Gotta buy me a gun. Gotta buy me a gun. <laughs> oh, so I got out my uh, Atari 2600 again the other day, and it's really, it's temperamental as fuck. Like, I can get it working sometimes and can't get it working sometimes, but um, one thing that I realised only after playing these games, like, 30 years down the track and not being able to play them back in the day was that... Uh, we actually, my brother and I, did own like a couple of the the best Atari twenty six hundred games that you could get or whatever. But when my dad bought them for us from America at the time, it was still back in VCR days and all this pre internet kind of shit. And they were NTSC cartridges, oh, yeah, yeah. and we're all PAL in Australia and shit. So whenever we tried to play them, they wouldn't really work properly, and the screen would would roll. You know, the the yep. vertical hold and shit would just roll. Yeah. Um, but I watched a review from one of those Nintendo guys on YouTube, and they were saying that Yars Revenge is like the best game that ever got made for Atari. What's it called? Yars Revenge. Yars Revenge. It's like yeah. this weird game where you're this little insect thing. It's hard to explain because it's blocky Atari shit. But sure. basically, it was a really quite fun puzzly kind of flying this little dude around and taking a mini boss down quite simply. Um, but it was it was this rad game. I was playing it recently. And I got Battlezone, I think, mm-hmm. which is, like, pretty much one of the first tank simulator games, but it's That's so, like, yeah. wireframe line graphics and cool. shit like that, but we never got to play them when we were kids, because, and we played them once at my dad's office, I think, and we were like, oh, these are pretty cool, but then sort of never played them again, and video games transcended the Atari 2600 for a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's come full circle, I kind of enjoy that shit now, and am capable of enjoying you know, like, it seemed like when you were a kid, it's like, oh, that new cool thing would come out and that made the old thing shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm above that retarded mentality now. <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't game heaps now, but I know that feeling as yeah. a kid and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. You just, you just like, have to play, like, i gotta have got to play a Dreamcast or whatever it is. But when I just moved to New Zealand when I was, like, nine, um, it was when there was, like after the fucking Genesis or Mega Drive or whatever in the Super Nintendo around that time there was such big hype about the new generation right yeah. which were the ones that were going to be using CDs and stuff like that and, and PlayStation ended up smashing it obviously <laughs> and stuff this was before like Xbox but at the time like no one knew who was going to do it it was like Jaguar and all these other mm. people and, and um, Sega CD and yeah Sega CD shit. and the one I ended up with was because I 
entered and won in a coloring competition an Amiga CD32. <laughs> yeah, so I had that for ages. And That's right. Azul was the game I remember playing on that kind of thing, which was sort of sort of cool. But uh, I had one similar to that. I had that Mist game. Yeah, Mist was actually so yeah. it's sort of like first person, but it's just pictures, and you like scroll to the yeah, next scroll to the next one. It was pretty. In- I liked it at the time. It was cool. Yeah, I don't think I finished that though. I was retarded at puzzle games and shit like that. Yeah, I think the only game I finished when I was a um, when I was a kid on an arcade like console kind of thing <coughs> where you got the joystick and buttons and pay money and shit mm. was Double Dragon. Yeah. And it probably cost me six or seven bucks, which was oh, yeah. heaps of money at the time. I think it was like nineteen ninety or something like that. So. Crazy, yeah. yeah. I remember play, I used to play a lot of that uh, after school care. Um, well, this is probably why it's a attention deficit. But uh, <laughs> like they used to like after school care um, do like fairy bread, right? You know, just like all the fucking hundreds and thousands on butter on like a piece of bread, um, white, yeah, white bread. some of that shit. Which I don't know if they do at a school after school care these days. I, like, I don't yeah. know that they get down with fairy bread Yeah, fairy days. bread. We used, to, we used to smash it and play... <laughs> Maybe as a treat. And play shit like a... What was it? Altered Beast? And I don't think you can call it that anymore. It's too PC for that shit. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Like LGBTIQ bread. L- LGBT bread. <laughs> LGBT bread. <laughs> can, I just, can I just go a bit of LGBT bread? <laughs> Don't even give me the hundreds, I want the thousands. Mm. It's just effeminate bread, alright? Yeah. And it's oh and it's white too, so it's that other mm, uh, probably gonna have to go whole grain. Yeah. That shit's a hate crime on a plate. <laughs> we need some mixed race fairy bread in here. Multi grain is the <laughs> <laughs> maybe mix it up with some little caviar or coffee beans and stuff, but <laughs> but yeah, we used to play there heaps all the time is uh um, Altered Beast which was oh super yeah fuck yeah that's sick. you're like oh my god it has like voice at the beginning yeah. but they come up and it's like rise from your grave uh, so that Golden Axe and the Sonic games were all pretty cool yeah Golden Axe was fucking sick yeah you had the little fucking like you know like once again I was after SNES came out and then they ported a bunch of those side scroller games yeah I kind of was like oh fucking don't need to play that at the arcade anymore you know I was yeah. like play that shit at home yeah so Little, what a little fucking obnoxious little shit I was. <laughs> I think we all were. I think we all were. I wish that I, game's fucking shit now. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have a Metal Slug game at home. Metal Slug. Yeah. Playing that at the arcade. Ah, so crazy and stuff. But <laughs> I ended up with that on PlayStation at some point. I think Metal Slug X. Pretty dope. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah, man. But then I got into my hacking career, and um, you know, the FBI busted me, and I, I did. I did about two, three years at Leavensworth federal penitentiary <laughs> into like an ultra high level NSA squad hired me to join other ragtag bunch of hackers um, to destroy threats to the United States and um, yeah we worked there but we completely missed 9-11 so I was fired came back here now I'm a podcaster fucking sleeping on the job yeah I, I was actually sleeping on the job <laughs> well, I was thinking of America I was thinking the other day as well um, how we like I went for a holiday with Cone sometime in the last few years over yep. to the states and we we're in utah at one Stateside, point yeah. and uh we got to hit up this gun range and yeah. i actually broke my collarbone on like one of the first days of the trip so i was pretty uh pretty sedate for um a lot of the first few weeks and then we went to this range and i was a little disappointed because i couldn't shoot any machine guns and that because i was in the sling but i asked the um the guys when we were in there uh if i could fire off a few handguns even though I was like rocking the broken collarbone and the guy was like oh you can still he looked kind of confused like sort of like oh you can still shoot can't you like 
and we just sort of signed the forms and shit, and they let me bust off some uh, some Glock rounds and shit. Right. <laughs> Rocking the sling, That's <laughs> which awesome. I'm sure would have looked pretty funny, but um, I should have left it at one bullet. Unfortunately, I didn't, but the first one I pulled up with the Glock and just aimed at the... um. There was a cutout of a dude yep. I think we were firing at. Yeah. And uh, I just hit it directly in between the eyeballs, middle of the head with the first shot. I should have just put the gun down and stopped there, but we are in the gun range, so I had some more <laughs> shots, and I wasn't actually that accurate, but fuck, it looked so good. Just the first one, bang, straight through the head, like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy, though. I mean... You look like a little maniac with that. What was the um? They, uh, what was the smaller one, though? Uh, MP5. Yeah, the MP5. You look like a little child soldier it was fucking crazy because <laughs> <laughs> it was it was weird we went in utah and it was like, sort of shaking your arms around a bit but it was the most enjoyable thing to it was, watch it was, <laughs> it was pretty fun to shoot as well but uh yeah because we met um a it's like the only time i've ever done this but like an internet friend uh, you look solid on the ar though yeah. i'll give you that that was good we met like one of my internet friends from my forums kind of thing political forums and like just because i wouldn't normally meet people off there because because we were in utah and he knew i was australian and like how often does that happen and so we we met up with him and he came watch the <laughs> super bowl with us and i like passed out it's drunk. so random yeah, oh, yeah it's i awesome. passed out drunk and he told us about that place there and oh really yeah, yeah he, he recommended he recommended it. We oh, were like which sick. one should do it and what's funny is that he's like He's like this crazy like leftist Marxist kind of guy and shit like that. But he's like, yeah, so still loves the gun range. Though. Yeah, it's weird. It's like that Utah stuff. So even though it can be about that, he's like, yeah, I went out like shooting with my dad the other day. It's crazy. But um, he told us about that place and yeah, get some guns and ammo. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's the other thing. When we were um, we were leaving. I don't think I saw the suitcase, but a few of our friends saw this guy walking with this big suitcase oh God, yeah. with his own gun, yeah. and someone noticed, I think, that it was an AK-47, Yeah, and we'd already walked outside the gun range, and it was quite sedate out there before we went in. You could hear a few pops here oh, and oh, there, oh. but it was really quite muffled, and while we were in there, it was loud as shit, and you oh, had totally. earmuffs and stuff, and it was still quite loud through the earmuffs, but not too abusive, Yeah, but then we were leaving, got out into the car park, all the doors were closed, and then what was muffled the entire time with all these other guns and auto shotguns and all yep. this shit going off. As soon as the AK started going off, it was like, it was borderline loud outside. And it was like, oh my God, imagine being in there now with that guy just banging off his AK-47 totally. inside. Utah's one of those... <laughs> Utah, we're looking through magazines and you can buy like Tommy guns and shit in the back. <laughs> Seriously, Utah's, <laughs> Utah's one of those states that has like the laxest sort of laws there. Like, it's a Tommy went, gun. The whole extent of it. I was like, oh, are they going to have to do this and this? And um, they just took one, one driver's license for like eight of us. And oh that's right yeah they, they did a little bit to sort of help us out do this and when we went back and we were like oh, can we have a go at the AR and uh, and this was a gun that similar one had just been used to kill like 20 kids at Sandy Hook in Connecticut or whatever fuck. right and um <laughs> and also oh fuck that crazy thing was going on while we were there too with that rogue LA cop that was killing his fucking colleagues oh that stuff. was nuts yeah. Chris Dorner but um but yeah when we were there and we got the AR and we're like can you someone who worked there came out to help us and like guide us with the mp5 he had to show us how to use it but with it. the ar he's like for sure you guys can, have yeah it. he's like can you we're like can you show us how to use it and it's like oh like 
So you just do ching, 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 and like that's all. Yeah, he <laughs> semi looked pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And then so Adam, uh, yeah, a friend, it's like, oh, sorry, can you like, sorry, just do that again, but slow. And the guys like just sort of rolled his eyes and looked pissed off. <laughs> like, do you not how to know how to? And then just give it to him. Like, can you not learn how to use an AR from me showing you in ten seconds? Yeah. Can then, you really not do that? And then so <laughs> one of the friends who was out there in his big orange raver ski pants sort of thing, and like came back with a big goofy smile on his face, just like holding a fucking big AR next to him and just like, yeah, we got this. Got this to play around with and stuff. <laughs> I think it was discussed at the time, but I think the point really is that so many people there have those guns and you're in the range and all that shit that as much as we were like, oh, there's no range officer and they just gave us the gun and blah, 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 everyone in there is fucking sort of packing and can shoot pretty straight. If you do anything wild, you're going to get killed in yeah, they're a few you. seconds unless you're Rambo or some shit and... None of us were, so they're pretty. Their security was fine. <laughs> My dad sent me a thing the other day. That sort of felt like what it was, though. Like, yeah, totally. It's like Mutually. nothing was really going to happen because there were so many fucking guns and bullets yeah. that could potentially be turned just ninety degrees to the side. Yeah, there's no chains and shit. You know, like I think it's like the Soviet Union, USA during the Cold War. It's mutually assured destruction. Sort of. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, my dad sent me a thing the other day about this gun shop in Oklahoma that was like, no Muslims, right? And, like, oh. there wouldn't be any Muslims there anyway. And so, anyway, it got all over the... Oh, so it's just this fucking racist town. Yeah, just this racist basically. town. And the, the sheriff was complaining about it because, like, once it got in the news, they are all like, oh, no, the Muslims are going to attack us now and shit, right? And so they're all just walking around guarding their, like, super cool gun shop. <laughs> and the guy that owns it or whatever... Um, while he was sort of around there and like guarding it, uh, a little pistol slipped out of his front pocket, landed on the ground, went off and like shot him straight in the wrist, shot himself <laughs> in the wrist. It's so, uh, crazy. Check your gun control, buddy. Yeah, trigger discipline. Means using both hands. Trigger discipline, motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sort of glad. What a fuck face. So I'm just so openly racist with no fucking warrant. I guess like mentally, a lot of these dumb cunts or whatever have it warranted in their head vicariously through some other shit that they've seen or heard or from their parents generation and shit but fuck just put that shit up and he hasn't even had an incident in his store but it's pretty you know like people are drawing the cartoons of Muhammad and shit like that and getting fucked up and stuff I can sort of see what his mayor or whatever saying in a way that he's inviting trouble yeah it was a sheriff shit, was but even that, saying that kind of thing can then be construed as racist because you're saying that, oh, it's going to bring these troublesome Muslims kind of thing. But it's like, well, yeah, but we're only you're only talking about that finite group of troublesome Muslims. But it's like once you start talking with these monikers and shit, a lot of people just lose it and things become racist that aren't and then things that shouldn't be racist become racist. And well, I'll tell you what one of the biggest ones is that, you know that uh, Mecca non-Muslims aren't allowed in there at all? <laughs> Um, like I've seen on the freeways around here because they've got heaps of freeway they're rich in Saudi Arabia you're not allowed to touch the asteroid yeah exactly they've got a highway exit signs that says Mecca Muslims only and the other one says non-Muslims oh shit someone should put that on an internet meme yeah that would be cool (laughs) I did see a good on that note internet meme recently where it was like no one's trying to move to fucking Saudi Arabia though (laughs) It it was these two guys in you know, like Afghanistan kind of wear and shit, like big white shirts and sort of that sort of stuff, right? Um, that or Iraq or something, and riding on a motorbike, both of them down the street. Um, so looking back at them in the same way that, you know, you see on a girl on the street, you might look back at her, and they've got these sort of lecherous looks on their face, right? And both looking, I mean, she's got absolutely covered, right, with the burqa and the niqab, but has like a tiny little bit of like her ankle showing. 
and they're just like staring right at it like, <laughs> with this lecherous looks on their face fuck it's uh, a testament to that shit not really working at all huh yeah but in a way you can almost say she's more liberated than a girl in a bikini <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck please elaborate I don't think oh, no that's probably for another an, another topic but um I don't know. You, I, I don't saw, know about liberated, but I know what you mean. She's free in the anonymity of this fucking thing that's like a... It's like a mascot costume in the sense that you're virtually anonymous and, you know, you could be naked under there and all that kind of shit, you know? Like, as much as they're trying to be like, don't look at my wife, people's minds are always going to be so fucked up that they're imagining what's under that shit anyway. <laughs> so, totally. <laughs> Let's suck it. (laughs) They're they're staring at these bitches' ankles and they're getting rock hard, you know? You haven't solved the problem. Yeah. The problem was these guys being rapey. And they're still rapey even though you're wearing ninja clothes, you know? Yeah. But it's more... It's just... It's more... It's a pride thing as well, though, isn't it? It's more a structural way of life thing, I think, in in, in a way. Um, They're very conservative. What objective does that achieve there? controlling female sexuality um it makes i suppose you could argue for a more stable society because people aren't having affairs as much they're not having other people's you know this and that so there's not as much violence about that that's the whole idea um so don't treat the violence treat (laughs) treat the sexuality yeah exactly and i mean that's why there's sort of so many different at such different levels throughout the world and stuff that's some Um, scared shit because they look at us and they'd be like, well, you're a liberational woman. Why have you got, like, alcoholism? You've got rape. You've got mental diseases and everything <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, having to work and everything, getting distressed. Our family way of life is a more ethical sort of... An ethical way of living. <laughs> I wouldn't subscribe to it, but I think that that's what it is. That's that's the, the viewpoint. Yeah. So I think the sort of... The assumption that, like, everyone in the world is going to adopt our values, I think... And that drives a well, lot. Well, that's why you've got to be accepting of other cultures and for all that multicultural shit it's just yeah it gets to the the complex level when the little groups piss a whole bunch of people off and then all the people don't have the time to figure out the reality of this insane shit that we live in that you got to try and rationalize things that are ultra complex in these simple ways and that's right and so what it comes down to instead is people saying you know getting extra status for themselves by just like white people yelling at other people for being so racist about every little yeah. fucking offensive thing when there's a Muslims only sign on the fucking exit to Mecca mate mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly we all need to check our own shit you know? I Fuck. know and that ideology I can't work out whether it's you know white guilt is it genuine guilt or is it just sort of like you know elevating yourself by being sort of yeah know. I think it's probably just an, in a way it's another false projection yeah to to make yourself feel better about being privileged totally and that's what and this can bring me on to my final thing i guess i have to say is that i i think and i'll probably talk about more of this in future i think the way that conversation and media is conducted leads to that sort of thing um in much the same way that in maoist revolutionary china they had struggle sessions where you'd all be in a big circle and if someone had been uh you know spouting an incorrect policy or thought they would get criticised by everyone else until they sort of criticise themselves at uh, at a threat of being like excluded and ex- expelled expelled from the group. <laughs> and I think in a way, I saw a study on that recently as well, where people were taking tests. Yeah. Or like, 
there were being force-fed answers in class and people knew the right answer and then they would keep telling them the wrong answer was correct. Yeah. And then even the really smart people started to adapt to giving yep. the wrong answer just so that they wouldn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I totally got that. It's in yeah, I'll talk in 1984 there's a real good bit about that where he hold the guy torturing the heroes like holds up four fingers and how many how many times how many fingers am I holding up? And you know, he says four and the guy like electric shocks him. His cuz he's trying to, you know, illustrate to him that the party controls all truth, right? <laughs> So he says, uh, yeah, so he says four, like shocks Winston. He's like, no, try again or whatever. If I say I've got five or whatever, and keep shocking him. And um, eventually, you know, he, the hero tries to be like, oh, I can only say what I can see, the truth and stuff like that, but gets shocked a few more times. And then he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then, uh, yeah, the guy's like, good, okay, now you're getting it. <laughs> but um, I, I did mention before, and I paid it out, that the Festival of Dangerous Ideas is one, and I came out with a sort of wacky idea of myself. But, <laughs> There was one I mentioned looked good, and um, I actually got some tickets to it. The one, it's about uh, the role of shame in, like, our political discourse, especially <laughs> online, people getting shamed. Um, and I didn't notice at the time I told you, but it's being, the guy on there who's written books about it is being hosted by John Safran, who I quite like. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So that's at the Opera House next week, so I might have some stuff to talk about that. Yeah, because I find that whole, that whole thing pretty awkward or whatever. What thing? How they, online, people getting crazy shamed and then it becoming news and all that kind of stuff it's just well it comes down to from what i can tell is that journalists are lazy there's no money in newspapers the journalists spend twitter on twitter all day they just retweet stuff and it's just becoming a self-reinforcing cycle of outrage amongst the sort of academic political media class and oh, who copped it recently i think we talked off air about latham or something sometime yeah like yeah 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 Michael. and he copped it hard for appearing to be sexist and then and Mark Latham, and the only per- the person who's been getting away from it most recently, even though I think... And didn't he, he sort of got to... I know that in past, in other events and stuff, maybe he has been sexist or something, I don't really know, but in the one that it was referring to, wasn't it just taken out of context or something? Well, my problem is, I think he has said sort of sexist things. I he don't, has said before, I don't think <laughs> What they're doing now is saying that he's like sort of a like bitter misogynist, because he's been paying out some female columnists, and... That that's not true because he's been paying out, in criticizing individual specific ones, but he is quite abusive and he is obnoxious and stuff. But everyone else is like closed lines and uh, like not letting him be like they ABC criticized it but didn't let it be said on there. They're like, oh, he just said he said some really bad stuff. Like I worry about him and stuff. Like, but then wouldn't say what he said, and that's a form of that sort of thing. Yeah. Donald Trump gets away with it. That's the person who's been most meat. Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> away with, uh, huge. The worst one, the worst one, the one that made me, uh, was when that they landed that fucking probe on the comet, and all these feminists. The Rosetta comet. Yeah, and all these feminists whined about the guy having a shirt with naked, with ladies on it. The guy that was running it. It was this massive internet shitstorm. Oh yeah, that, saying it's that was discour- fucked, yeah. discouraging women from science and stuff. But <laughs> anyway, so I want to make sure you know, I'm not criticizing anyone broadly, but yeah. No, but yeah, that's the mentality that we were capturing. Is then, that uh, it's this amazing fucking. Yeah. million multi-million mile journey to get this probe on a comet for the first time to analyze it to do this insane scientific shit that no one's no one's ever fucking done before and it's groundbreaking science and yep. then you got these feminist trolls on the internet that latch on to the fact that this guy had some sexy ladies on his t-shirt <laughs> it was given to him by a female friend the show. <laughs> but the worst part the worst part was that he apologized and he tearfully apologized about what he'd done wrong yeah and i oh, i just found it I, yeah. 
You don't have to be Donald Trump. That's like a marker and like a... It's like this symbol for emasculated men in society kind of thing. I don't feel that way. Yeah, yeah, neither. But like... I want to make it clear we're not men's rights activists. Yeah, we don't feel like that shit at all. But but if, if... you can't criticise this sort of mode of political thinking that's tr- cropped up recently, then what can you do? It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, We're not going to live in a bubble. Australia feels already nanny statey enough. Yeah. You're not going to take it to that next level. We don't even have particularly free speech here. No. We're pretty safe on this free podcast because we're satirical or whatever, but <laughs> they got libel in Australia. you got all this shit yeah. that you have to actually fucking watch out for because Latham's getting Latham's getting sued for libel by like a woman he criticised. Because they fuck you up because it is. It's like it's this old monarchist kind of shit where you still can't get fucked up for dissing the queen, you know? Yeah. But I don't think that happens. <laughs> no, you can do whatever you want. Australia is fucking great. You know, there's the two sides to it, but technically, yeah, if you start uh, really going hard on people and not getting your facts straight and deliberately saying rumours and they're out of context with being satirical and shit, you will go to court and you'll lose money and you'll, you know, Brit- messed up. You can't really hide behind the Fifth Amendment and all this shit like America can. Britain's crazy with that shit as well, like arresting people for tweets and all that sort of shit yeah. kind of thing. It's, it's heading a pretty weird way down there. But I America's like- lucky they don't have our sort of um, mm. systems of that shit mixed in with their crazy police statey kind of yeah. shit. <laughs> But I'm sure we'll talk about that more in future and stuff, because that's what we like to discuss here on the Cones and Doe Show. We discuss politics, fucking drugs, music, history. Fuck. Anything else? Big spread of shit. No, it's just one thing to another, and I like how it sort of rolls, man. I yeah. hope, hope that uh, our new listeners will enjoy it as well, but we'll get our core group of the, the men at work who have been with us from the start. But Yeah, the men at work. Yeah. So thanks to you guys, but... Hard at work or hardly work. Hopefully we can keep, keep building it up and keep making music that we can share with everyone. And, and if you've, you know, especially congrats if you don't know us and you're listening to this, because I like that idea of somebody doing that. I mean... Just raw-dogging it. It's yeah, just, <laughs> just raw-dogging it through the mic. I fucking raw-dogged it in my shoes last week. Sorry, bro, it might have smelled a bit. Went sockless and, yeah, they're pretty old shoes. I've been overseas a couple of times in them and... When I put them on again after I raw dogged it, they felt heavier. I was like, oh shit, there must be so much dirty foot sweat and shit soaked into these puppies. So. Is that what raw dogging is? Isn't it? Oh shit, nah, I think raw dogging is when you, um, when you go without the franger, isn't it? Franger? <laughs> or a prophylactic for our American listeners. Oh, unprotected sexual intercourse. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Just um, raw, raw dogging it. Yeah, raw dogging. I'm more about the bug chasing personally. So but... I was raw dogging my shoes last week, yeah. It's, n- it's not a good idea, folks. Yeah, your dick. If gets- you want them not to smell, <laughs> your dick gets really raw and smelly and stuff. Um, like I was saying, but you can fit your balls in. <laughs> Fits right in the heel. Uh, teabagging your shoes. <laughs> so yeah, like I was saying, if you don't know us, thank we you. got a good spread. Yeah, yeah, we got a good spread. Um, better spread than July nineteen ninety four penthouse. You know. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, back in the day, but. Uh, keep on listening i'm glad you're listening uh you can email us at cones and at gmail.com yeah it's cones and doe cones with a z c-o-n-e-z-a-n-d-d-o-h at gmail.com send us any any questions or anything Queries. you might want brought up and we'll subpoenas we'll look at it and yeah maybe do it <laughs> or maybe do it oh yeah we'll steal some someone's shit respond to you um any hot singles in my local area 
the fifth uh, emailer gets a free t-shirt. Are you going to stand by that? Yeah, you got to pick up the t-shirt from like um. Yeah, you got to steal it yourself from the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from the top of the sky to the bottom of the ocean, this is conesanddoshow.com, which you can hear anywhere in the world, (laughs) twenty-four-seven, at the place we put it up at, which you'll know if you have got this. Thanks for listening. Uh, do you have a tune or anything? We often like to finish with a bit of music. And yeah, I think that's going to be our style for the for the show is sort of pump out some intro tunes, change them up every now and then, and then uh, finish on a song that we've either made or not even finished and yeah. just ram it on there. You get some original music as well, and maybe if it ever becomes a thing, we'll put out a soundtrack. <laughs> totally. We could get like Radiohead to remix it or something. Oh, that'd be cool. Or Stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? It's Compton Doe in your face! <laughs> Paul McCartney would do it. What you gonna do with it? <laughs> <laughs> but that's still in the pipeline. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's all on the fucking cards. Well, I guess a good one for the first show uh, would be. You may have noticed Cones and I aren't particularly eloquent all the time. Would you say, Cunt? Quite eloquent, but you know, we do drop quite a lot of our. Uh, swearing and everything we're gonna have to put that explicit notice on our itunes shit but um i th- i think when i've listened back to it trying to edit and stuff i sort of get numb to it and don't even really notice it yeah, anymore the yeah. amount that we do it so i thought along those lines i had a really good song for for that for our listeners i think uh at first you may be shocked with like all the swearing and everything but by the end you'll probably be so accustomed to it that you don't even notice the word fuck anymore so yeah okay well so hopefully that can help us with our early listeners and developing a taste and uh, numbness to the swearing well speaking of a sort of numbness to sort of these gratuitous fucks um as napoleon bonaparte said when he was walking walking amongst the aftermath of the battle of waterloo looking at all the corpses thousands of men he surveyed it all and was known to say bah one night in the brothels of paris shall replace these men <laughs> oh fuck yeah well on that note on that note i think we'll wrap the show up see you though this has been the cones and doe show it has i hope you've enjoyed it don't forget to email us yep cheers cones been fucking nice nice stay uh, hard got that uh, eiffel tower coming yeah the eiffel tower speaking of napoleon oh all right see you cones see you though Fuck your face, fuck your shit, fuck your fucking day Fuck your mom, fuck your sis, fuck your fucking gay Fuck your life, fuck your wife, fuck your fucking mate Fuck you once, fuck you twice, fuck your fucking press Fuck your school, fuck your crew, fuck the blues, fuck nationality Fuck your rules, fuck your tools, fuck platoons, they'll kill your whole shitty family Positivity is the only way to get up And in the wrong country, motherfuckers cut your head off Fuck your house, fuck your couch, fuck your drug pouch Fuck your little cash, fuck your stash, fuck them bugged out Fuck affiliation, fuck them patient, fuck a sellout Pan flash rappers all smelling when they fell out Fuck all phonies, fuck your cunt and muckhole Fuck all, fuck the police, I'm fucking blooded stuck all Fuck all, fuck free loaded, fuck paying dollars Fuck fucking for money and fuck working honest Fuck hierarchy, fuck a monarchy Fuck any labor where extortion is the policy Fuck religion, fuck democracy Fuck the structure with the literate hypocrisy Fuck a future where the only future is fucked out Fuck the past, 
with us Kalefka like black sand Fuck signs if the pinnacle is loss of heart Fuck ignorance, belligerent traditions Fuck compliance, reliance on the fragment cars Fuck the lawyer, fuck a bank, fuck a politician Fuck a war, 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 fuck a war Fuck your blood money, fuck your bloodline, fuck your fucking DNA, fuck it fucking crunch time Fuck your rights away, fuck your life away, fuck propaganda, live fucking righteously Fuck bones, fuck cells, fuck bones, fuck motherfucking fuck, fuck bells, fuck 